Good morning, friends. Uh, yes, I'm in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I've been down here for a couple of days at the Immersion Excursion at Lake Point Church, and it's been an absolutely wonderful time. I'm continuing uh, my series on the fruit of the Spirit, but I must confess to you, I got kind of out of order last week, so I'm going to back up a little bit, talk about a matter of life and death today. <clears throat> my text is 1 John 3:11-18. Now, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and uh, generally speaking, when a preacher tells you what his topic is, many times you can guess what the text absolutely, what might be. For example, if he says my topic is speaking in tongues, you know his text is probably Acts 2 or 1 Corinthians 14. If he says I'm preaching on baptism, you know that there are three or four verses he'll probably zero in on. If he's preaching on marriage or divorce, again, you know that there are a couple of key texts that he'll probably build his sermon around, probably 1 Corinthians 13. If he's preaching on <clears throat> biblical inerrancy, you've got a good idea where he'll turn. And if he's preaching on vision, you know that he'll probably use at least some point Proverbs 29:18, where there's no vision, the people perish. Now, many times when preachers say they're preaching on a specific topic, like I said, you have an idea of where they'll go. But when a preacher says he's preaching on love, you have to say, uh, can you be a little bit more specific? That's because the idea of love isn't limited to merely a few random texts. It's all over the Bible. In fact, every book of the New Testament references the word love with one exception. Now, which book doesn't mention the word love? Well, you might be surprised to know that it doesn't appear in the book of Acts, but love is certainly demonstrated time and time again through the Acts of the Apostles. The idea of love in the Christ follower's life, loving God, loving others, is not a limited idea. You find it again and again in every turn of the page. So when Paul lists love as the first quality of the fruit of the Spirit, his readers didn't exactly say, Whoa, love, where did that come from? It was already a central theme of New Testament preaching. It's as fundamental as the virgin birth or the deity of Christ, as fundamental as the resurrection. That's love. This is why shortly before Paul listed the qualities that comprise the fruit of the Spirit, he said the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's Galatians 5.6. And then in Galatians 5.13, he said, serve one another in love. And then in verse 14 of Galatians 5, he said, The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. So when he says that the first aspect of the fruit of the Spirit is love, it made perfect sense because love, it was the theme of the early church. So today we're going to take a look at this topic, love, not as a theory or a concept or as an ideal, um, but as a quality we are called to put into practice every day of our lives. So for a number of weeks, we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit, nine key qualities that Paul said define the life of a person who lives in step with the Holy Spirit. Now, we've talked about some of the first steps you need uh, to see these qualities come alive in your life. Uh, you prepare your heart with prayer and Bible study. You prune away obstacles that stand between you and full devotion to Jesus, the Messiah. And you begin practicing each quality, giving it your best effort, even though you won't be perfect every time. Now, living out the fruit of the Spirit is not something you can accomplish by your own effort. Neither can you accomplish it with no effort at all. We need to do our part in cultivating the Spirit's fruit. And for this reason, as we look at each aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, we need to consider how we can cultivate each quality to take it from potential to practice to perfection. And we're going to talk today about the grandest quality of all, which is love. Like I said, our text is from 1 John. In fact, the entire book of 1 John is all about love, but we're going to focus specifically on chapters 3, verses 11 to 18. 
Now, there's a song from the 1980s by the band Foreigner. Some of you will recognize it. It's, I want to know what love is. Well, it poses a good question because there are many who simply don't know what love is. And for starters, I can tell you very quickly three things that First John tells us love is not. I mean, love is not a feeling. In the text, we're going to see that love is an action. It's something you do. Well, second, love is not an option. <clears throat> John makes it clear that if you're serious about living the Christian life, you need to be serious about loving others. It's not just something you do when it's convenient or when it's easy. It's something you do day in and day out. <clears throat> and third, love is not even a new idea. As I mentioned before, love has always been at the core of the gospel. Therefore, John says in verse 11, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. He's basically saying the same thing in chapter 2. Uh, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the very beginning. In fact, when I say that love is not a new idea, I'm saying that love wasn't even a new idea in the New Testament times. It was also in the Old Testament. One, one great example is Leviticus 19.18, love your neighbor as yourself. So as far as God is concerned, love is the central theme of spiritual life. So what is love and what does it look like? But John tells us in verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And then he says, and we ought to lay down our life for our brothers. So for the believer, the challenge is not to know what love is. The challenge is to be able to say, I want to show what love is to everyone I encounter. So today I want to talk to you about what it means to show God's love to others. Now this is not about what you may or may not feel. It's not about what you do to demonstrate God's love to the people in your life, your spouse, your kids, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, whatever. Uh, we're told to love all of them anyway, without reservation, without hesitation, without holding anything back. But we want to take a look at three specific ways that you can actually do this. So if you want to show what love is, first of all, treat others as your equal. One of my favorite Christian authors, uh, theologians, is N.T. Wright. Uh, he tells us that in the days of the Roman Empire, when a general or emperor would lead a procession through a cheering crowd, he would have a slave in the chariot with him whose job it was to whisper in his ear, Remember, you too are mortal. And now, we often think that the greatest obstacle to love is hate, but it's not just hate, it's also pride and arrogance and condescension. Now, these stand in the way of loving others. C.S. Lewis, another favorite author of mine, said a proud man is always looking down on things of people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you can't see something that's above you. There's no place in the Christian life for condescension. There's no place for pride. See, one thing that made the Christian church unique in the Roman world is that it crossed all cultural boundaries. Each fellowship was made up of people from every segment of society and from all walks of life. Those who found themselves excluded somewhere or elsewhere received a warm embrace among believers. And that's because even in one of his earliest letters, Galatians, where we find the fruit of the Spirit, Paul reinforced the idea of equality. In Galatians 3, 26 to 28, he said, So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what I'm getting at. If you're entertaining the idea that you're just a little bit better, or maybe a whole lot better than those around you, you're incapable of loving them as Jesus loves them. I mean, rarely will we take the leap into the deep end of the pool and say from the start, you know, I hate that person. 
Instead, we just let pride seep in a little at a time, and with that pride comes arrogance, and with arrogance can, comes contempt. And i got to tell you, love and contempt do not mix. God's love for you and me is a reaching down love because in terms of goodness and righteousness, he's up there and we're down here. He's holy, we're sinful, so he reaches down to love us. Now, our love for one another is never a reaching down kind of love. It's reaching across kind of love because we're all in the same boat. We all have the same past. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we've all have the same potential to become the righteousness of God in Christ. So love begins by recognizing that each of us share a common story, and so condescension has no place among us. Love will say, I can identify you with you, and I see the good in you, and I see your potential. There's a word that goes along with treating others as your equal. The word is dignity. Love begins with treating others with dignity. Well, second, treat others with compassion. Uh, Friedrich Buchner defined compassion this way. Compassion is the sometimes fatal capacity for feeling what it is like to live inside someone else's skin. It is the knowledge that there can never be really any peace or joy for me until there is peace and joy finally for you too. So loving others means that you just can't sit still. You can't rest. You can't be silent as long as someone is in need. and You have the ability to do something about it. The Apostle John here doesn't pull any punches with this guideline. This is in 1 John 3.17. He said, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Now, you can't solve the whole world's problems and you can't pay the whole world's bills, but there will be times when God brings a situation to the forefront and you have the wherewithal to do something about it. And love insists that you do. Now, I'll be quick to say that this is not just about money. It applies much more than merely assisting others in material matters. It means that you're willing to do whatever you can do to help a person in need, even when money isn't part of the solution. Compassion says, when someone I know is hurting, I refuse to look the other way. I'll do what I can do to make this matter right. Now, if when Paul said that the fruit of the Spirit is love, he was merely talking about a feeling that would make it so much easier, wouldn't it? I mean, love would be easier if it were just a feeling. But love is not a feeling. It's not just words you speak. It's an action you take. This means that there will be times when love is an inconvenience. There will be times when it's a sacrifice. There will be times when love comes with a cost. But, friends, love is willing to pay the cost. That's because love looks at those in need and says, friend, you're worth the effort. I think Samuel Johnson said it first, the true measure of a man is how he treats someone who can do him absolutely no good. I think that's love. That's compassion. There's no quid pro quo about it. I mean, no, I'll do this for you because you can do that for me. Instead, love says today I'll do for you what you can't do for yourself because you're worth it. So in cultivating the quality of love, third, take the first step. I mean, maybe you've heard someone say, when he makes an effort to reconcile, I'll reconcile. Or when she moves in my direction, I'll move in her direction. Well, that's a natural inclination, but it's not a spirit-led inclination. It's not a spiritually mature inclination. Those who are filled with the fruit of the Spirit will say, I'm willing to take the first step. I'm willing to risk making the first move. Rodney Stark, uh, a sociologist at the University of Washington, said that when a major plague hit the ancient Roman Empire... Christians had surprisingly high survival rates. Why? Well, because most Roman citizens would banish any plague-stricken person from their household, but since Christians had no fear of death, 
they nursed the sick instead of throwing them out on the streets. Therefore, many Christians survived the plague. This is what Paul meant when he said we are to serve uh, one another in love. I mean, it applies in marriages, your relationships to your children, your friends, your co-workers, other relationships across the board. I mean, love has no fear of taking the first step. When those who are filled with the Holy Spirit uh, love, they see a need, they respond. I mean, love is not a feeling, it's an action, not a reaction or proaction. Love takes the first step. Now, I begin today by saying, you know, love is kind of a matter of life and death, and they're really not my sentiments. They're John's because he says in verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Well, that takes out the love is an option theory, doesn't it? I mean, can you think of any other aspect of our behavior toward one another that the Bible expresses in such a cut and dried manner? There is no other. I mean, knowledge is good, but it's not a matter of life and death. I mean, only love is. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 2, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. Paul begins this list of qualities that he calls the fruit of the Spirit with the greatest quality of them all, and that's love. It's not an ideal that we hope to develop someday in the future. It's a quality of character that we strive to make a priority today. It really comes down to how we treat one another. I mean, love looks at others and says, I understand what you're going through. I see the good in you, and I see your potential. So I will do what I can do because you are worth it. So, friends, we all know what love is because we've experienced it through Jesus. Now it's time for us to show what love is in the way we serve others. This week, as you pray each of the fruit of the Spirit to ripen, remember that the greatest quality of all is love. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion.